Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. With inflation starting to roll over, the question becomes, what should we expect next? Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Vancouver Life Real Estate Podcast and YouTube channel. Inflation, inflation, inflation. That's largely all we've been hearing now for almost a year. And as the metrics have started to roll over in that aspect, we want to get ahead of what the next question is going to be. And we start trying to look at some of those answers. Because if uh, we look back just a few short six to 12 months ago, it was all about housing crisis. And now, of course, it's all about inflation. So when inflation gets under control again, what's the next buzzword? What's the next headline here? So as we know, um, inflation did roll over from the 40-year high last month of 8.1% down to 7.6%. Now, typically bond yields fall on this news, um, which they did briefly, but they rebounded. So at the time of this recording, they're sitting around 3.2% is the yield, and this is up from 2.57% recorded earlier uh, in August. Now, why is that? Well, what they're looking at here looks to be core inflation, and, and core inflation differs from inflation simply by essentially stripping away what they call the vol- volatile components. And core inflation actually rose last month. It rose about half a percent. Um, the Bank of Canada's uh, measures their core. It looks like it hit uh, 5.3% up from 5.1%. So again, when you've got inflation, excuse me, coming down, but you've got core going up, it's really going to give credence here to the Bank of Canada, likely raising rates again at their next uh, rate hike announcement. That's falling on Wednesday, September the 7th. Widely believed, uh, we're going to see another half point, but we will not be surprised if we see a three-quarter point hike increase, 0.75%. Um, so look for that. Uh, of course, we will have Mikhail back on the podcast then to go over what is happening with mortgages and whatnot. But again, inflation's rolling over. Core has yet to, but it looks like it probably has likely peaked here in August, and we're going to start to see core inflation coming down when we see the, uh, the the August numbers actually register, and then, of course, September as well. It's funny, hey? <clears throat> it just goes to show how, depending on what you want to look at, these basket of goods just kind of get sort of am- amalgamated that kind of suits the, <laughs> the the narrative or the need for the rise or, or whatever it is they're trying to achieve. You know, it's it definitely gives credence to that hike, um, but generally speaking, I still think inflation is higher than where it says it is. That being said, let's talk about trigger rates. Um, <clears throat> about uh, oh, on our last 100 basis point hike, that, that pod, um, we had Mikhail on the pod talking about how um, the next time that they, ra- they raise rates, um, it's going to put some people in precarious positions when it comes to the trigger rates that exist inside their variable rate contracts. So it may result in putting people in some 
like I said, precarious positions here. So around 15% of all mortgage debt outstanding um, originating from March 2021 to February 2022 at very, very low rates, 1.6% on average. Um, and while these trigger rates, the what triggers them varies between lenders and borrowers, um, if trigger rates actually go up down by 0.5% from their current levels, um, that could be a very, very scary scenario for some people. They are going to get mandated by the bank if they haven't done anything to mitigate what's happening, right? So likely, um, there'll likely be more uh, coming at the end of the year because you got to remember, we're at 2.5% right now and the target rate is 3.5%. So as this continues to climb, um, more and more people are going to be subject to this. Um, but by how much? I mean, RBC estimates their variable rate holders will see an increased payment of about $200 on average. But let's keep in mind, floating variable payments are up around $1,200 on average, on an average $1 million home, right? So some significant variables in that variable cost model. And that obviously is going to affect prices. Uh, you can't have interest rates climbing and basically affordability being further eroded because people just can't afford higher payments. And of course, they're not qualifying for higher payments either. So we're going to see prices come down. Uh, nationally, you have likely heard that, yeah, prices did drop again here in July, 1.7%, uh, according to the HPI, which is a large number, knowing that it's a bit of a lagging indicator. And that followed the 1.9% we saw back in June. HPI across Canada is down 9.9% since the peak. And this is essentially the steepest, the quickest decline in history when we look at the fact that HPI has only been recorded since about 2005. So we're looking at a two-decade record here at least. And it's it's significant, and it's not going to stop in the month of August here. We'll tell you that much. Mm. Um, for reference here, when we're talking about this being the biggest drop in history, the global financial crisis in 08-09 saw about a 9.2% drop total, peak to valley. We're at 9.9% and still heading downwards. Um, 2017, 2018 was the most recent decline where peak to trough was about 8% even. So we are seeing much further declines than we saw for both of those eras. Um, the brunt of this is being led by Toronto. So Toronto's HPI is down 13.2%. That is a big chunk, again, from peak to trough and, again, still dropping. Um, you compare that to back home here in Vancouver, where we're down 4.5%. Much softer rate of decline. Now, the actuality is more so than that, or more than that, because we know that both uh, average and median are down between 10 and 15%, and will go down here again in July, or in August, rather. So HPI will play catch up to that number or those numbers. Uh, but again, we're not seeing things drop as drastically as we are in Ontario, specifically Toronto and, of course, their suburbs. Um, but what's also interesting here is the inventory, because nationally, we're still sitting at like three and a half, 3.4 months of inventory. And that's well below our long-term average, which sits at 4.9%. So again, we've been talking about people not really panic selling for a long time, and that's still the case. It is both buyers and sellers sitting on the sidelines right now. 
sellers don't need to sell and they're just going to wait out until they know they can get uh, a better price in a, in a hotter market. And the buyers are doing the opposite. They're thinking things are going to continue to drop to a point that's going to work for them. So they're just waiting for that metric to hit. Um, when we talk about this time on, on, uh, or sorry, months of inventory remaining, we would need about another 40% more inventory than we have today just to hit the average. So that gives you an idea of how low it is. And, you know, we've got September just around the corner and there's, uh, all there's there's a key number of indicators here that are saying that, look, September market is going to pick up a bit. Uh, so when it picks up and it comes into the face of a low inventory marketplace, we know what that can result in. So here we go. Canadian inventory. Yes. Here's the, here's the funny thing. And again, showing how resilient Vancouver is Canadian inventory is up 45% from this time last year, but Vancouver inventory is actually lower than it was this time last year. So what does that tell you? Prices are declining at a lower rate than the national average by a lot, and inventory is doing the opposite of the Canadian of the national average. So Vancouver proving resiliency and a very strong indicator of what to expect on the other side of inflation is a tight, tight market again. Vancouver's proven its resilience before, right? And I'm, I, you can see why it's doing it again. And it, it's interesting because uh, actually last week or last weekend, um, we were involved in a multiple offer, if you can believe it or not. Um, and now I'm not saying that that's par for the course here, but I think as inventory continues to struggle in Vancouver, um, more buyers are continuing to enter the market. I mean, we just had record levels of immigration. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But as buyers you know, continue to enter the market and the inventory doesn't continue to climb, um, you start to get more and more buyers, especially in, in the very desirable spots or the hot spots in town, um, when there's restricted inventory. And, and you know, just like you said, Dan, it's setting it up for uh, an interesting future here, uh, one that I've probably seen before. Um, anyhow, but with that being said, when you speak nationally, um, let's talk about mortgages too, because payments as inventory continues to climb and prices continue to fall um payments for your mortgage sit around one thousand dollars higher or 47 percent more than q3 2021 levels right so the cost of borrowing has gone up dramatically restricting purchasing power so you're going to have more and more people sit on the market bringing the prices down um, with that said, though, it appears to look as if we've peaked, right? So based on price trends and, and mortgage rates beginning to fall, um, required payments are down by about $100 since the peak in last month. That helps. At least it's, again, feels like it's rolling over, right? We've hit this peak as far as pricing goes, and things have now just begun shifting. So once that trend begins, it typically continues for some time, as cycles do. Mm. Um, but let's talk a little bit here about the rental market, because if you've tried to rent something in the last few months here, it is brutal out there. I mean, we're still hearing stories of uh, clients with investment properties that are putting them on the market or flipping over tenants because the last ones chose to leave and they're getting upwards of a hundred plus applicants in, in a week. 
Uh, we've got uh, property management companies that are attesting to this as well. And people are, are, are essentially just throwing money at rentals now. They're, they're bidding wars in rentals right now. Um, it's, it's a very challenging market up there. It's so tough. And um, there may be some reprieve coming. There may be. Because we have um, 200,000 rental units under construction right now across Canada. Uh, this is an all-time high. And for reference... Uh, it was only 20,000 being built back in the year 2000. That crept up to about 80,000 in the year 2015, and now we're sitting at 200,000 under construction today. Um, interestingly, we look to Toronto again, where they just had the highest number of rental uh, built units complete just last month, and it was the first month that rental rates actually lowered um, in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. So, again, when inventory uh, is increased, it's going to start to feed into that demand. So, again, uh, expect to see more of these rental properties coming on market this year. Again, it is a national number, but you're going to see it here as well as in Toronto for sure. And uh, ideally, those rental rates start to peak off a little bit. Yeah, and I think, um, well, for some for a period of time, because if we touch on, on immigration... <laughs> um, there's going to be more pressure coming, right? So, um, well, uh, let's talk about housing starts as well. So those two things are very important to help with the balance of inventory um, and demand cycles. But when we are actually down in housing starts from the peak of about 290,000, but still at an impressive 260,000 um, housing starts, Um and that's currently under construction, um, and that's for all property types, and that is an all-time high. So um, when you look at rentals plus units being built, uh, that's a combined uh, 320,000 units being built you can buy. So um, the question is, will that actually be enough to offset the record 230,000 permanent residents that we've seen in Canada in the last six months, plus the future immigration that's coming in, um, plus 200,000 study permits, plus 170,000-odd Ukrainians. Uh, There's a lot of people coming here right now and a lot of pressure on the rental housing market. Um, And it's probably not going to stop, right? So Canada's got a very, very aggressive immigration target. It uh, looks like they're going to exceed it um, by some margin this year, too. It's great to see them hit a goal. <laughs> I know that they can. That has nothing to do with immigration. That's just about the government kind of showing that they do have the power to hit certain metrics if they want mm-hmm. to. Uh, okay, so let's talk mortgages again for a sec here. Uh, historically, being the last 12 months, uh, mortgages, of course, have been most attractive on the variable side because people want to pay as little as possible when they're paying for their home. So for the first time in these 12 months, new mortgages have actually shifted from, in popularity from variable into fixed again. So variable rate mortgages are now um, constituting less than 50% of all new mortgages issued. And overall, yeah, of course, of course, those people are getting less mortgages because less homes are being purchased right now. <laughs> um, mortgage growth dipped about um, or dipped below 10% for the first time in 18 months. So that understandably will continue for the foreseeable future, likely till at least the end of this year. 
Um, we are going to see things pick up, I believe, in fall, but uh, the trend is going to be nowhere near what it was, of course, for the last uh, 18, 24 months. Yeah, and I think that also points down to uh, consumer sentiment at the end of the day. Um, you know, a lot less people are buying a lot less places because people don't have the money to buy it. There's all kinds of reasons, but we're down across the board, right? So in terms of consumer confidence, July points to a five-year low in spending, down 2%. Um, and employment dropped predominantly in the retail sector last month. So showing you that the demand for, for uh, buying items and, and anything retail is dropping. People are conserving their cash. They're stepping away from... Um, you know things like risk on assets and and also buying um, cars, or clothes, and anything to that effect. I mean, when you've got you know the price of bread up fifteen percent, puts your priorities in check. <laughs> um, and if we look to consumer confidence and how this compares now um, to the last sort of lows, um, it's the lowest since the lockdown. Anyhow, um, was two thousand and nine, right? So, anyhow. I mean, all of this points to consumer behavior, and if that is stepping away from spending, then it's actually good news for inflation. So keep an eye on that in the upcoming months. Yeah, it's essentially the opposite of the wealth effect, or, or it's the wealth effect having a adverse reaction when people feel rich, they're going to spend more, and when they do not, they do not spend more. So this is kind of what we're seeing there. It's You definitely feel it on the ground. Um and you definitely feel it in real estate right now. So let's talk briefly here on employment. Um, it's still very similar to what it was last month. There's essentially a million job vacancies here in Canada. Uh, you wonder why immigration is so hot. Listen, on a global scale, if you hear that there are a ton of jobs available in a country that is very open-armed and very easy to get into, it's going to attract mm -hmm. people. That's just the nature. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, too, these aren't just... Um, minimum wage jobs. In fact, the number here for businesses reporting a shortage of skilled labor is up now all the way to 56% of these companies. And, and yeah, that's an all-time high. There's never been more demand for skilled labor in Canada than today, right now. Um, it's been growing too. It's not like this has just happened overnight. So you look all the way back to 2010, which is where the current data that we have is for, it was 25%. Wow. One in four businesses in 2010, 12 short years ago, uh, said they had a, a shortage of skilled labor. And that has literally doubled, wow. more wow. So, more than double in 12 years, up to 56%. Wow, that's incredible. You know, and actually I can, we can, we can speak to that. We're working with a client right now who's, looking at buying a commercial asset and um, they are actually wanting to stay more local because even a 45 minute drive out too far, uh, they can no longer find the skilled workers that they need to do the jobs. Right. So, you know, we talk about people competing in certain areas for different reasons um, and inventory remaining where it is. You know, when you've got problems like this, or you you're, you're struggling to expand because uh, the labor shortages are so so tight, um, you know, it puts existential forces on on micro markets, and I think that's partly why Vancouver has done not nearly as bad as the rest of of the country. Um, let's speak a little. We bit. We also had our a, a team member here too, right? They talked about. Um 
their parents uh, having a $20 million contract in front of them that they can't even accept because they can't find the workers to help fulfill the project That's needs. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 There's... You know, so this is, I mean, if we have immediate stories, you, you know, this is, you know, as widespread as the data is telling us. And that's, um, that's 20 million worth of work, Dan, that needs to get done before the winter. Right. That's right. So anyhow, um, let's talk about insolvencies. Um, they are up 20% year over year, led by a 31% increase in proposals, the restructuring of unsecured debt. Um, we are still 36% below pre-pandemic levels. So, um, Still quite clean in that respect. Uh, credit credit card insolvencies ticked up for the first time since the lockdowns. So that does not surprise me um, when you've got inflation running at where it is. Um, you know, definitely starting to hear of stories of Canadians struggling to pay for those things, right? So um, credit card insolvencies are likely going to rise um, as these interest rates and, and inflation continues to, to pump. Yep, there it is. So inflation, you know, it's been running hot for over a year now. It'll likely take an equal amount of time to get back into the 2 to 3% control range that they are targeting. Um, but what happens on the other side of that? You know, again, once inflation becomes old news, aka once it's under control, and housing becomes the topic again, as, as it always seems to do here, especially in Vancouver, uh, what's going to be the underlying story? What's the sentiment? It's going to be, I think, very similar to what we've been dealing with for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. 15 years, 10 years. It's it's going to be a shortage of inventory, and it's going to be an uptick in prices. And no, it's not going to be like it was the last two years, and nobody wants it to be like that, really, because that was unhealthy and unsustainable. But again, you can't create a dynamic where you've got a supply and demand issue and not see prices tick up again. So again, I'm not saying that's happening tomorrow, but you can't forget about the issues that we had just 12 months ago because they still exist. Yeah, they really—they haven't gone away. I mean, record levels of uh, you know immigration, record levels of low uh, unemployment. Um, the demand to live in Canada is still, globally speaking, very high. Huge amount of interest from foreign students. You know, the list goes on. There's a lot of reasons to be here, and especially in Vancouver, that has its own geographical constraints. Um, you know, I, I foresee this as um, short-term pain and uh, then more long-term pain, I guess, <laughs> depending what side you're on. All right, so we would love to hear your comments. What do you think it's going to take for inflation to get under control and how long is it going to take? And uh, do you believe that there's going to be uh, a housing shortage on the other end of that? Thanks, as always, for watching and listening. We will see you in the next week. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.